Well, let's look at God's Word. I want to preach a message this morning. Uh, I debated about this with all of the different things that were with the pandemic stuff. But there are some events that have transpired in our world. And uh, I, I will tell you this. I don't think social media is the place that those things are going to change. So I haven't said a lot of stuff there because... I really don't think anybody's mind gets changed on social media. Amen? Everybody goes there with their idea, and they cling to it pretty pretty, uh, pretty staunchly. But I want to preach a message to you this morning, and you'll pick up the gist of it real quickly. But, but let me tell you the title, which is not something I normally do. I've entitled this, The Heart Must Change. Can you say amen to that? Amen. Let, me, uh, let me set it up a little bit for you, and thank you so much for being here again this morning. It's true uh, we studied this when we were talking about the, um, about the uh, restored ser- sermon series that we just completed. It's true, we, we talked about it, that God created the heaven and the earth, made everything in them. And as part of that creative order, he made all of mankind, you and me, men and women, boys and girls. In the process of that, God put some things into place in which he gave Adam and consequently all of us, all of mankind... He gave us the right to rule this earth through an expression of dominion. You'll remember in Genesis where he said, okay, now take dominion, exercise dominion over everything that you've created, Adam. And through Adam and through the lineage, you and I, we live, whether you exercise it or not, we have been granted by God dominion over this world. We, we can impose our will on things. We can shape things. We can make things. We can create things. We are intended to be God's ambassador, bringing the dominion of his kingdom to bear upon this earth. Part of the created system. If you know that, say amen. God, in the process of that, not only gave us dominion, but as part of that, he created us with a very powerful concept that expresses itself in each one of us every day. And you've heard this term many times. He gave us free will. And because of the joining of dominion and free will, we now have the ability to choose and express the process of that choice and dominate, you know that those words, dominion, dominate, those are joined together. Those are the same meaning. We dominate the environment around us by the expression of our free will. Say amen if you get that. That free will gives us the ability to choose. Join together, dominion and free will gives mankind the right to shape and form the civilization of the earth into whatever we want. Say amen if you know that. You can create a godly home or you can create an ungodly home. Say amen. You can create a home in which children are honored and raised up and loved. And, or you can create a place where they're, where they're put down and they're hurt. And I mean, you have the ability with the dominion that God gave you and the free will to create an environment. We were made. Do you know you were made to create an environment? You shape every room you walk into. You shape every relationship you're in. You shape by the expression of those two things. God gave you the ability to dominate. Now, some I don't dominate. Yeah, you do. You just yeah, you're dominating weakness all around you when you do that. Or, but you dominate the environment, and you do that by the expression of your free will. And you and I have formed you and I and mankind since Adam forward. We created the world into what it is today. 
You say, well, I don't really like it. Well, we created it. Say amen. If it, you may not agree with it, but you acknowledge that this is our doing. Say amen. We made it what it is today. Many wonderful things, but also some incredibly divisive, ugly, evil things. Say amen if you acknowledge that those exist. And you might, well, it's the Democrats. It's the Republicans. It's Donald Trump. It was President Obama. It was the Bushes. It was them two. That's what, no, we. Everybody say we. You say, no, not me. It was Nikki. No, say we. We created the world the way that it is. We did that by the exercise of dominion that God gave us and free will. And one of the things that we are now dealing with in our nation, one of those not wonderful things, but incredibly divisive, ugly things, one of those things that stands in absolute contrast to biblical Christianity and all things godly is racism. Say amen if you believe that. Let me define it for you. I, I didn't look this up. This is my definition, and if you don't like it, those of you that are on the stream, you can hashtag this and hashtag it, my definition, dumbest thing I've ever heard. You can do that, all right? You don't have to agree with it, but here it is. Racism, predetermining that a person is or will be any particular thing because of their race, because of their ethnicity. They will be a certain thing. Well, listen, that's, a, that's an Asian person. They're going to be this. That's a, that's a black person. They're, he's Hispanic. She's, this, is what, this is what I'm going to encounter. Before a conversation, before a thought, you know, you think you know what that person's going to be based on their ethnicity. That's my definition. Let me read it to you again. Predetermining that a person is or will be any particular thing because of their race. And you might say, Pastor Roy, why? This is the first Sunday back. You could have preached on, on the healing power of, come on, we could. No, this, this is an important day. And I knew everybody would be listening because it's our first time back. And this is what the Lord told me to say. Say amen if you understand that. Now, racism doesn't always manifest itself in negative expressions. Do you understand that? Sometimes some of the things that we say that are predetermined based upon a person's race they aren't all negative watch this he's asian he must be smart good at music and math come on giggle a little bit it's all right you know because asians can all play the violin right their moms make them they take lessons forever and ever watch this she's black i bet she can sing well that's a good thing all right but do, <laughs> Do you know that not all black people can sing? And not all Asians can add? Well, they can probably add. Watch this. He's a black preacher. Whoo, I bet he can preach. He's a white preacher. I bet he's more of a teacher. Come on. Yeah, Wooden. Yeah, I figure. He's Dave Wooden. No, I'm just going to leave it right there. All right. But guys, listen, here's the problem. The, the Asian guy might be terrible at math. Come on, say amen. I know black ladies that can't sing at all. I mean, the only time they hit the pitch is when they cross it going to the wrong one. That's true. Come on. I, I, I've heard black preachers that weren't good preachers at all. You, you, you're supposed to say amen right there. And, and white ones that are terrible teachers. And you might say, well, they're Hispanic. I bet they're hard workers. See, you're laughing. <laughs> Somebody would say, oh, yeah, come on. But 
I bet there's some lazy Hispanics in the world. Anybody say amen to that? I know some lazy white people. Anybody uncomfortable? Pastor, you're using, you're using colors to talk about people. Yes, I am. I have to today. It's really quiet in here. Furthermore, I know white people that are both good and terrible academically. Some who are awesome singers and some who only, as I said, cross the pitch every now and then. I know some awesome preachers who are black and some that are white and some Hispanics that work hard and some that don't. I know lots of lazy people and they come in all colors. Amen? And none of that is based upon their race. Come on, say amen. Race is also no good for predicting a person's values. Oh, they're Hispanic. I, I bet they, they're all about family. Those Asian people, man, they're, they're all about respecting their elders. Have you heard any of those thoughts go through your mind? They're not all negative, but they are all racist. But race is no good for predicting that stuff. Say amen if you get that. And the issue, watch this, still remains after all these years is that we, we allow sometimes those predetermined ideas to cause us to respond to people and to value people based on what is often a completely invalid assumption about them based upon the pigment of their skin color. We think that we know what they are or what they will be. Some of you are looking at the floor right now. Look up. It's all right. We're going to be all right before we're done. But we won't, this may not be easy today. Let me, let me show you something. And if it upsets you, then be thou upset. This is a good day to preach this because I knew the number would be small and... <laughs> You know what I mean? I, the number's probably going to go up next week just because it's going to go up because more people will be more comfortable. And I'll say, see, that didn't really bother anybody. It's a good time. Some people are thinking that, and this is difficult. This is, it was difficult when I typed it out. I went, Lord, I don't want to say that. He said, you say what I tell you to say. Some people are thinking that the things that are going on in our nation are, are going to suddenly make a right turn and everything's going to change. That the protests are going to change everything. I hope that it does. But can, can we remember something just for a second? April the 4th, 1968, Dr. King was assassinated. We, we didn't capture a video of it, thank the Lord, but there were vivid pictures that, that the world saw. Him laying on the balcony on that walkway. Come on, how many of you have those pictures still in your mind? Guys pointing at the shooter. Y'all know those pictures? Anybody other than me know those pictures? Y'all know where the shooter was from, right? Does anybody not know that? He was from Alton, Illinois. You say, well, yeah, but this is, this is going to change it, really. That didn't. The most noted civil rights personality, man of God, man of grace, man of love and justice and articulate and, 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 and somebody shot and killed him 
And for a moment, the world changed. But there's still people hating on people today because of the color of their skin. Say amen if you recognize that. I only have one, one point today. How does real change take place? Whose job is it to change this? Because I can assure you that no amount of legislation. Do you know that there were dozens of laws in place when George Floyd died? Dozens of civil rights things on the books and legislation and arguments in houses and speakers and, 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 and hours and hours. And my goodness, the, it's not an absence of law. Well, what we need is better legislation. There's so much legislation now, and yet we still hate one another at times. Only one point. How does real change take place? Whose job is it to create real change? Let me give you some scripture. Matthew 28. You know it. Jesus told us. Go therefore and make disciples. A disciple is someone who follows a particular path. A, a, a leader establishes a path. A, a, a something, the word, the kingdom gets portrayed to them. And then that person follows that path for the rest of their life. That's what a disciple is. And we were told, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. Whose name are they supposed to follow? Whose kingdom? Baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to do what? To observe, to live in, to embrace, to speak of, to, 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 to manifest, to, to project into the world, to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. How do we do that? Whose job is it? Well, it's the legislature's job. Well, it's the president's job. It's the governor. If we had a better mayor, if we had... No, it's the body of Christ's job. Let's say it like it is. It's our job to change the world. It's our job. If you're upset, let's be upset at us. If this thing's going to change, it's not going to happen in state houses. It's not going to happen in the Capitol. It's not more laws. It's in the hearts and the minds of men and people across. When the body of Christ rises up and we produce the change, then the world's going to change. Amen? It's not, it's not better laws. It's not better people. It's not better. Come on. It's, th th there are certainly things that need to be put on the books. But until you and I get this thing about the calling of God upon our life, and we bring a genuine revival to the world that transforms men and women's hearts, and we begin to see each other as God has created us to be, this problem's not going to be solved by legislation. Whose job is it? It's our job. How do we do it? Oh, here it is. All of that's introduction. Welcome to the introduction. It's 9, well, I've got lots of time. I don't have to be done until 9.30. Woo, man, I like this new schedule. Let's go. Let's preach a while. Come on, Wooden. Amen. Amen. Yeah, I set you up there. Don't leave me hanging. How do we do it? You may not like this term, but it's viral. This thing we need to do is viral. I know a little bit about viruses. For those of you watching, maybe you don't know, but I had the coronavirus. And let me just give you a, a little window into it. Anybody that tells you it's the flu, <laughs> that's an idiot. <laughs> All right? They don't know. I caught it from my wife. She was a nurse. She got it from a patient, brought it home. I, it didn't, I didn't see it. I didn't, 
I didn't, you know, it wasn't little blue dots floating in the air. I, 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 I caught it. And this thing that we're talking about, this change that we're talking about, this, this shifting in the world, it happens the same way from one person to another, to another, to another, to another. You see, the thing about a virus is that a single person infected with a thing can infect hundreds, literally thousands of people. If I had the virus today I, and, and, I, and I don't know if I, if I coughed or I sneezed and I was in a particular proximity to you and there was a group of us, I could infect hundreds of you this morning. That's the reason that we're practicing the social distancing. That's why we've got you sitting in family groups. But other than that, we've got you separated by at least six feet when we can. And that's why we, we said it was okay for the worship team to take their mask off. That's because we're far enough from you that supposedly you can't be infected. I'm the only guy in the room that can't affect you because I'm walking around with a bunch of antibodies. <laughs> Feels good. I'll have little vials of my blood for sale in the foyer right after this if you want to. I don't know, maybe you can rub it. I don't know how you get the antibodies with, you know. Hey, we'll do it for BGMC and Speed the Light. It is a viral process, though. It's a viral thing that we do with this thing about the kingdom of God. Where is it described? Where is this transformation described? I want to direct your attention to the 103rd division of the psalm. I just want to preach through six verses very quickly. And I want to point out some things that maybe you think are not associated with this issue, this racial racism in our nation, but they are. Because it's when the body of Christ becomes all that God has called us to be. That's when this ends, and not until. Let me read the first six verses, and then we'll comment on each one. David writes this, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits who forgives all your iniquity and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. Lord, help me preach this, these six verses. And in so doing, Father, transform our hearts and infect us, Lord, with the kingdom that we then go and pour into the lives of others in Jesus' name. Let me just look at verse 1 and we'll work through this. David says this, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. In the past, when you've heard that verse, you probably think that's an expression, and it is to some extent, but there's a message within this verse. It sounds like an admonition to really praise, doesn't it? Come on, bless the Lord, O my soul. Come on, you, you, no, this ain't, this ain't halfway lifting your hands. This is bless the Lord, O my, you know, isn't that the way you hear that verse? Come on, say Amen. Bless the Lord, all my, and all that, come on, this, I'm not going to leave anything out, and all that is within me. Come on, I want all, I got to get the arms going, all that, come on, I got to get, isn't that the way you hear that verse? It's, it's an admonition to like fully, completely, really, you know, with, with some excitement, with some fervor, bless the Lord. But that's, that's not all that's in that verse. Listen to what it says. Bless the Lord, okay, we got that part. Oh, my soul, the inner parts of me and all that is within me, watch this, bless his name. Is that what it says? What did it say? Ah, there's a, there's a qualifier. Did you see it? Do you feel it? Bless the Lord, oh, my soul, 
and all that is within me, I'm just going to add one little word, be a blessing to his holy name. Let me ask you a question. Is the stuff inside you a blessing to his holy name? His holy name. We, we can't compare ourselves to our neighbor or to others or to someone else. There's just one standard for what is within us and whether it is a blessing or a cursing. Does it, in comparison to his holy name, bless him? When he sees it in his righteousness, does he go, oh man, look at my servant. They're loving me. They're loving one another. They are generous. They are giving. They are forgiving. They are gracious. They are kind. They are slow to anger. They're slow to speak and quick to listen. Oh, I am blessed by what's coming out out of them bless the lord oh my soul and all that is within me bless his holy name is what's coming out of you and i a blessing to his holy name do the things that are in you and me bless him and not just any him his holy name his righteousness in comparison to his holy name Does what's in us bless him? Mm. That's sobering, isn't it? The way you think about people, the way you treat people, the way you, not just some people, but all people. How you categorize. Let's look at the next verse. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Hmm. What are those benefits? For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, of his righteousness. The glory of God, his righteousness. For all have sinned and fall below the measure of his righteousness. The number one benefit that you and I have is that while we were yet, what? Sinners. While we were still in a state where what was in us didn't bless his name, while we were still lost, while we were still deprived, while we were still without merit, while we were still doomed for eternity without him in his great love, completely outside of anything that we had done or deserved, he gave his only begotten son that we might be saved. Oh, aren't you glad for the benefit of his salvation when you didn't deserve it, when you deserved to be separated from him for an eternity like we still do without his grace? He didn't do that. He extended unmerited favor to you and I. And the greatest of those benefits is that he found us, he redeemed us. Have we forgotten what we deserve? Have we forgotten what he did for us do we remember the eternity we were destined for had it not been for his grace you see because the very first step in seeing people as jesus sees them is to see yourself as you really are lost unredeemed wretched deserving of separation from him for eternity but you're not going to be because of the benefit of his great grace amen 
And we've got to remember that. This process that we're coming to in verse 6 begins in a comparison of his righteousness to who we are and us remembering the great salvation and forgiveness that's been poured out to you and I. We were lost. Verse 3 says, Who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases. How many of you remember every day, every sin that you commit? In other words, you, you can make a list. Oh, yeah. Let me see. I, I violated Romans chapter 6, verse 7 right there. That was the, and then I, oh, yeah. And then, uh, oh, whew, man, that was, that was Ephesians chapter 5. Boy, I didn't love my wife as myself right there. <laughs> Christ loved the church. Whoop, yeah, probably better check a sin. Oh, man, I, oh, man, bring you the tithe into the store. Oh, oh man, oh, let's, let's move on to the New Testament. Um, we don't do that, do we? There are iniquities that abound in our life. There are things that we do that we don't even know. Let's just understand that we live in a fallen state. We live with a flesh that is in opposition to the things of God. And you will never, until you shed this fleshly body, be in a glorified, non-sinning, flesh, you know, without flesh state. You're going to live as a sinner in your iniquity every day that your heart beats. I don't think you need to walk around condemned. That's what the enemy wants to do. But you need to remember, you got to not forget that you've been forgiven a great amount. And because when you remember that you've been forgiven, it's a lot easier to extend grace to others. If you think God got a really good deal when he got you, you have a tendency to think that, well, everybody else is less in some way. But the moment that you begin to remember all that the Lord has forgiven you for and the degree of your iniquity, oh my goodness, you begin to recognize you didn't deserve it. And you don't deserve his goodness and his love. And that he's forgiven all of that. Who heals all your diseases. Listen, you were in a deprived disease, not only physically, but spiritually, in state that you were in. And the Lord has healed all of that. He's made you into a brand new creation that is, that, oh my goodness, that has the potential to exercise dominion and will now in good things and bring health and bring hope and bring love and bring forgiveness and bring grace and bring joy to the world because of all that the Lord has done in you. And I say amen if you recognize that. We couldn't do it before. Perhaps you say, I'm a really good person. Well, compared to other people, that might be true. But what about when you're compared to his holy name and to his righteous standards, according to Romans 3? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But he took care of all of that for you when you didn't deserve it. Look at verse 4. Who redeems your life from the pit. Maybe you say, I was never in a pit. Man, I've been going to Sunday school my whole life. I got the, the little badges. I still got my, I got my Honor Star Missionette thing. I got my Royal Ranger. Do they go different directions? I don't know. That was just, sorry. No, you were in a pit. Without Christ, you were lost. The Hebrew word pit speaks of the grave. 
He redeems your life from the grave. That same word speaks to corruption and destruction. You were slowly being corrupted by your own desires, by your own fleshly nature. And in the midst of all of that corruption and decay, it was like a cancer that had set it on you. God, in his great grace, reached down into that pit that you deserve, that I deserve to be in, and he lifted us out of it. And he redeemed us from that. Can you remember that? Verse 5 says, Who crowns you? Now watch this. Just two more verses. Who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy? When you walk into a room in which there is some, some dignitary to the extent that a, perhaps a crown is a part of their attire, you, you notice it. You walk into anywhere and somebody's got a crown on, you go, well, they've been to Burger King, <laughs> all right, or something like that. You would, come on, if I walk in with a big, like the, remember the, wasn't there a butter, butter commercial? Dun, da, da. Remember that? Imperial margarine, is that what it was? Yeah. If I walk in with one of those big crown things on, you're going to go, um, excuse me, Pastor Roy, why, why are you wearing a it, watch this. If a, if, a, if a girl comes in and she's got a tiara on, we think two things. Diva. <laughs> or, you know what I mean? She's been to Disney World, something. I mean, you know what I mean? She's, but you don't just, people don't just walk around with a crown on and, hey, how you doing? Oh, just out mowing the yard. It's unusual, isn't it? And it's unusual in this verse. He crowns you. The, the indication there is it's something that's going to be noticed. It's something that's going to identify you. It's something that's going to cause you to stand out. It's going to be the thing that people notice about you before they notice anything else. I mean, listen, you can be a long way from a guy with that big red thing on you. Going, I don't know that guy, but I think he's got a crown on. With me? You with me? Say amen. And this says that he crowns you and I. Mm. I'm going to skip the qualifier word. He crowns us with love and mercy. What's that supposed to mean? It's supposed to mean that when people walk into our presence and they walk into where you are or they walk into your business place or they walk into your home or they walk into you in a discussion or they walk in, the first words out of your mouth, the thing that they notice, the thing that they get from you before they get anything else, they go, my goodness, that Judy Maples loves me. You got it? Man, that is a merciful person. They are crowned. They walk around just exuding love. He crowns you. How does he do that? Because you live in this state of remembering that I was in the pit and he lifted me out of it. I was filled with iniquity and he healed me of those. I was a diseased, cancered person walking around in the world and he cleansed and healed all of that. Oh my goodness, I love him. He's good. He's worthy of worship. And now I get to infect the world with that grace. Say Amen. You got no idea how good it is to have this much air in my lungs. I've been healed. One of his benefits is that I'm not dead. I didn't go to a respirator. I remember what he's redeemed me from. Amen. Come on, you've got things for which you ought to give praise. Amen. Come on, you knew I'd be cranked up. I hadn't preached to you in like forever. Otis been egging me on. You better preach good, Pastor. You got to preach good today. Come on, Pastor. You got, here it is. 
He crowns us. As we remember, as we reflect, as we compare ourselves to him, he crowns you and I with steadfast love and mercy. And you can't resist love. You can't resist mercy. The world needs a bunch of people walking around with the virus of love and mercy. And the reason that they got it is because they remember who they were and what they've been redeemed from. And they walk around infecting other people with it. Say amen. Second service is going to go nuts. I hope. All right. But a crown is the first thing you notice about the person wearing one. And we are to be crowned. And I left the qualifier out until now. It's not sometimes love and mercy. He crowns you with when you feel like it, love and mercy. He crowns you with when everybody loves you, you love and just. No. He crowns you, puts it on your head, puts it in your mind, puts it in your heart. He crowns you with what kind? Steadfast. It doesn't leave. It doesn't come and go. This person, the qualifier of their life, the thing that they are most, why? Because they've been redeemed. They're his. They've been transformed by the benefits of his mercy. They're living in the kingdom of God, and they now walk around steadfast in love and mercy. Mercy, unmerited favor, something they don't deserve, something that somebody treats you wrong and you're still kind. And legislation can't do that. Legislation can't bring steadfast love and mercy. Legislation can't bring about love for your neighbor and kindness to all those around you. Legislation can't blind blind us to the color, the pigment of somebody's skin. Legislation and government and presidents and all of them. And see, every heart needs to be changed. And that's our job. As we go viral with the message of his salvation and his redemption, he crowns us with steadfast love and mercy. God puts it upon us. You walk around an old curmudgeon, mean and half empty and, and, and meh, meh, you just know, I don't like him, I don't like that, I don't like, listen, I wish some of you would delete your social media because you're not displaying much love and mercy. Not you, the second service people, all right, <laughs> them ones that ain't coming. You say, well, no, that's, I got a right to say, you've got a right to express your will and dominion in any way you want. You get to create an environment. But if people's heart, come on, church, if people's hearts are going to be changed, let the rest of the world do all that mess. Let us display steadfast love and mercy. Amen. You know how many things I've deleted? Dave Wooden. <laughs> oh, man. Come on, Lord, would you just leave me alone for five minutes? I can straighten this guy out. Oh, man. Come on. Holy Spirit, come just this, this, this one. Brrr, delete. Why? Because I get to express my dominion and my free will however I want. And I can't do that if I forget his benefits and the iniquity that he's redeemed me from. And I forget who I was before he saved me. And the moment that I do, it's only, it's only love and mercy. But I got a right. Yeah, he created you with those rights. 
You get to choose. And the world is in the state that it's in because of our choices. Lastly, lastly, verse 6. Listen. I don't know if it's verse 6. It's the next part. It's number 6 in my notes. I'm almost done. Who satisfies you with good. I'll do this this verse in three parts. Who satisfies you with good. Some of us don't want to be satisfied with good. We want to be satisfied with evil. We like We like some of the stuff the world's putting out. Sometimes some of you give me a hard time a little bit, not much, because I take sort of a finite line on some things. I don't listen to certain kinds of music. I don't drink. I don't see certain things. I don't go to certain places. You say, well, that's because you're a preacher. No, it's because if I fill my mind with those things, it's pretty hard for me to demonstrate steadfast love and mercy. I feed who I am. I feed my flesh instead of my spirit. The same thing happens to me. It happens to everybody. You and I have to get to the place, once again, where we are satisfied with what is good. Whatsoever things are good. Whatsoever things are lovely. Whatsoever things are... Come on, you know those verses. Have we tried to satiate ourselves on evil? We say that it doesn't matter what we see or what we listen to or the places we go or how we recreate. But the world is in the state that it's in because we made it that way. We're to be satiated. The body of Christ is to be satiated with good, not evil. Our flesh cries out for the things that it lusts after. That's true. We all fight that. But our spirit cries out for the good things of God. And if you're going to feed one, it's going to grow strong while the other grows weak. Let me move on. Seven, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Come on, that's an expression of life. This world drains the life out of you and I. And unless we stay connected to the Father, you're going to grow old inside. You're going to get mean inside. You're going to quit demonstrating steadfast love and mercy. And the choices that you and I make are not going to bring peace and joy and reconciliation and the valuing of every person as God sees them. It's going to be based upon your experience and what somebody that wasn't following the things of God poured into you and old traditions that came from an old past that was also diseased and hadn't been redeemed from iniquity, you and I have to be informed by the Word of God and His Spirit. Amen? So that your youth is renewed like the eagles. And then finally, watch this. When those things happen, when the body of Christ blesses the Lord based upon His holy name, and we don't forget His benefits, and He forgives our iniquity, and we remember it, He redeems our life from the pit, and we live with that. We have the filter on this as I've been redeemed. And then we are crowned with love and mercy, and we walk around viral in this world. And we are now satiated with good, not evil. We don't feed on the evil of this world. We feed on the good things of God. We become alive, fully alive. Our youth is renewed like the eagles. There aren't any old curmudgeons in the body of Christ. We're just bubbling rivers of living water flowing out of us. And then in that environment... God works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. 
How does that happen? Righteousness and justice for the oppressed occur as the people of God exercise their free will and their dominion to pursue the things of God. They are transformed and they begin to spread that transformative power all over the world. And then those virtues and those values begin to grow into the hearts of men and women all over the world. We spread the kingdom of God into other people's lives because it's the only thing. Come on. It's the only thing that changes the hearts of people sufficiently to destroy the racism that is in our world today. That's it. And that's our job. Otis, worship singers, come back, please. Bow your heads with me. Online, thank you so much. Bow your heads with me right now. How does real change take place? It takes place first in you and me. Father, right now. Mm. Father, right now, transform us. Oh, transform us, Father. Just do amazing grace. Mm. Father, right now, in these last few minutes, Lord, church, would you stand with me right where you are? We won't come down to the front, but that doesn't mean we're not going to have an altar time. Lord, would you, here's what I'd like for you to pray. Lord, touch me. Crown me with steadfast love and mercy. How does he do that? He reminds you of the amazing grace that's been poured out on you. You've got to remember that you were once blind. You were once lost. You were a wretch. And out of his great love, you were redeemed. And you owe a debt that you will never repay. You don't have to work your salvation up. But you are to be an ambassador who walks crowned with steadfast love and mercy. And every individual you come in contact with, you value them as Christ valued them. So much so that he gave his life to redeem them. You've got to examine. I've got to examine what's in us. And we've got to say, Lord, is this a blessing to your holy name? Or is this an old attitude from some hurt that I've carried along with me that I now project out into the world? No, you're not going to do that to me. I, I, that happened to me before. And no, not, not you. We see somebody that looks like or acts like or speaks like something from our past. We transpose that onto other people. Sometimes, Father, based upon the color of their skin. And we forget all that you've done. Lord, would you begin this work, this transformative heart work in me. Would you say that out loud? In me. Say it out loud. In me, Father. Come on, say it out loud. Those of you that are on the stream, would you just type in the comments? in me. Do this in me. This transformation begins in me. If you're online, type it into the comments right now. In me. Pastor Dave is moderating. He'll see it. Oh, Father, let your grace, Lord, right now. Father, we ask you to erase 
every remnant, every vestige, Father, in us of anything, Lord, that would cause us to see people, believe them to be either good or bad based on the color of their skin. Rather, Father, help us to see them through the lens of your kingdom. There are really only two classifications in that kingdom, Father. They're either sheep or goats, your children or not. That's the only eternal division that matters. If they are yours, Father, then they are our brothers and sisters, family, deserving, Father, of the rights and the privileges of family. Kind word, hug, love, assistance, kindness, patience. Father, if they're not, they're deserving of grace and mercy and love and the demonstration of the kingdom in us, Father, that leads them. It's your kindness that leads them to repentance, Father. You say, oh, but they've, I've been hurt before. Well, we've all been hurt before in some way. But none of that, none of that rises to the level of the grace that's been displayed to us by you, Father. And help this love, this kingdom, this responsibility to rest firmly upon your body. As we have been transformed, let us transform the world around us. It's our job, Father. It's our job to undo this. Help us to do it well. In Jesus' powerful name. And everyone said...